0: Honouring God and His way. Mark 6, 1-6 is an amazing passage of living mana where we get to see just how a lack of honouring God and who and what God gives. His ways, order, patterns cause a vacuum of power and transformation keeping us in unbelief. In Mark chapter 5, 21-43, Jesus has just healed a woman of 12 years of sickness due to a hemorrhage and just raised a young girl from the dead. And then we see chapter 6, 1-6 to unfold. There are some absolutely powerful realities at play in this passage and they are realities that we must be aware of and make sure we don't find ourselves doing the same thing. Otherwise, we too will get the same result. A lack of true biblical honor will restrict the outpouring of God's power and transformation in our lives as individuals and as a body. Jesus himself could only heal a few people that were sick because of the inner climate of dishonor that the people of his hometown, his own relatives, and his own household carried within them. The presence of dishonor to Jesus by those closest to him not only restricted Jesus' ability to perform a miracle, but kept the people in their unbelief. Mark three twenty one is another passage of dishonor. Let's have a look at verse 5 and 6. And he could do no miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. We see Jesus' heart to see people come into a transformational life because he goes into the synagogue to teach. Jesus himself said, I have only come for the lost tribe of Israel, his hometown, his relatives, his household. His first port of call was Israel and not the Gentiles. Is our first port of call the church and not the world? Jesus, from a physical reality, came for his own blood first. Hence, he goes into the synagogue to bring truth to the Jew. It says many listeners were astonished by his teaching. His heart was that his own people would recognize who he was and what he had come to do. I mean, there had been prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about the foretelling of the Messiah And when he came, he went into the temple to teach and bring to light the kingdom of his father for Israel. The listeners, the Bible says, were astonished at what they heard. The people are in awe and captivated by the preaching, the teaching of the living word of God. The living manna from heaven is declaring the living manna from heaven. The word is speaking the word and those listening are astonished by what they hear. Verse 2, he began to teach in the synagogue and the many listeners were astonished. Their next response to being astonished is fascinating. They ask the most powerful question and make a very powerful statement as a question. Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How did he perform these miracles? These questions are good and right. But it's the next question and motive that are impure. They recognize what Jesus brought was not like their teaching or the teaching of other teachers of the law. They are baffled because they are the teachers, not this man. For he is the carpenter's son, isn't he? Mark 6 verse 3. This is the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. We know his sisters too. He's just a carpenter's son, and yet he brings a teaching that they recognize as greater than theirs, and because of this took offense. Why did they take offense when what Jesus would have been teaching would have been for them? Even if Jesus brings a rebuke, it is still for us. They recognized this teaching had authority and power upon it, and yet it was coming out of the mouth of the carpenter's son a man that they knew about but certainly didn't know of they couldn't receive because of the vessel it came from even though they were astonished by what he shared their pride caused the offense their knowledge was acquired from a man no power but the carpenter's son's knowledge was given from above powerful they actually make the statement what is this wisdom given to him and where did he get it from? This is very similar to John seven fifteen to 17. Jesus got his wisdom from the same place he was sent from. He was given this wisdom from his father and sent to earth to make his father's ways known. John seven sixteen. This is why he said to Philip, If you have seen me, you have seen my father. To not honor Jesus is to not honor God. John 5 verse 23 Luke 10 verse 16 to not honor the ways that Jesus taught is to not honor God his father you can't say I honor God and then not honor the way in which he does everything you can't say oh I honor God and then reject those God has given to his church for a specific task and function to lead teach testify of God's ways I am sorry but we are liars if we live like this and do not know God. We may be covered by truth, but the truth is not in us. 1 John 2, 3-6 We ultimately become no different to these people here that do not honour Christ. And because of this, we live in lack and unbelief to what God can do and is doing with others who do honour Him and His ways. Truth that changes you is not acquired by man, but it is given by God. Paul constantly communicates this reality to us. One Corinthians two verse twelve. But the Spirit, who is from God, is given, so we may know the things freely given to us by God. Jesus's teaching was not his own, but his father's. John seven fourteen to seventeen. God has to be the one who gives us our knowledge because this is the truth, the word that builds the church. This is the word with power and real authority, which changes and transforms everything. If we don't know this reality and are not able to discern those who walk in this reality, we will not honor them and in turn dishonor God and stay in lack and unbelief. We must learn and come to know what it really means to honor God and his way his pattern, his order. We must come to know who we each are in Christ and the giftings on our lives and the function of these giftings in alignment to God's way of operating rather than our own. We have to understand who God has sent us, otherwise we won't honor this and receive God's best for us. Verse 4 speaks of this. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. A prophet has no honor in his hometown among his own relatives and his own household because these three groups of people don't recognize this person as a prophet and because of this write off what the person brings because it doesn't align or fit into their current mindset and understanding. It's no different to any of the other giftings. These people started by being astonished by what Jesus was teaching and were even able to identify that what was taught was so different from what they taught and they asked from what source he had been given this teaching only for them to very quickly turn from this position into an anti-Christ one and get offended by him. They had no reference for God sending them his son who was the carpenter's son, because their reference for their Messiah was going to be a conquering victorious king who would destroy Rome and all of the Israelites physical enemies. People who come in the name don't come in the way or from the place the religious system expects. Luke 1 verse 80 and Luke 2 verse 7. They didn't have eyes to see the living manna that described Jesus from the scriptures as him coming in the form he did, because they only saw the scriptures they wanted to see from their perspective, and even then got it wrong. Hence the lack of honor from his hometown, his household, and his own relatives, the Jews, the Israelites, his flesh and blood. The people only had the Logos word, hence even what they had didn't do them any good, because it didn't have the spirit, the light, the rhema, on it. A bit like Satan in Matthew 4, 6-7, where he uses the Logos word to try to deceive Jesus. But Jesus speaks the Rhema, the living word. When all we know is Logos, we are in a very dangerous position. Not only does it give us a false reality causing blindness and unbelief, it also keeps us declaring a false way thinking it is God's complete truth and living out a false way. Because of this position, when the true reality the rhema turns up, we don't honor it because we don't recognize it because we are comparing it to our way. The impact of this is we stay as we are in lack and unbelief, never realizing it, even though it is extremely obvious to others in rhema. We will more than likely get offended like in verse 3 and either walk away or potentially kill or attempt to kill the one who has been sent for us. This is exactly what is happening here and happens today in the church. The multiple options are these in relation to God's word being declared by the one in God's word. The first thing is people attack the word and the one bringing it. The second is we walk away from the word and the one bringing it. The third is we reject it, the word and the one bringing it. We hide from the word and the one bringing it. We justify the word away. We ignore the word. We deny the word. Otherwise or or, we do the biblical concept and we receive it through repentance. Only one option brings forth life and leads us out of unbelief and into belief. I suggest to us, this is why Jesus was curious to know who the people and his close 12 thought he was. Matthew 16:13 to 15 Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, still some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? The disciples give the answers that the people say, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or a prophet. None of these options are correct, which means how can there be any honor if you don't know Jesus is the Messiah? And even then, there are depths to knowing him as the Messiah that determine our ability to honor him and his ways And honour others. He turns to see the disciples now and asks the same thing to them, to which Peter replies, The Christ. He only knew this because the Father revealed it in him and to him. Only when we have revelation of who God is and who God has sent can we truly start to have biblical honour. This is ongoing as well as we see Peter struggling in Acts 10 with the vision of the food. Jesus could only be to the people who they said he was to them. Hence, he couldn't do miracles in his hometown, household, or his own relatives. The Messiah, or the carpenter's son, was limited to act because of the atmosphere and climate of dishonor and unbelief. Wow! Now that leads to a powerful reality. This reality of dishonor and unbelief flows down and into the church now because people don't recognize the ways of God and there is no honor for the patterns and order of heaven. The people God sends and uses to lead and support God's building work are also dishonored and rejected as Jesus was because of the unbelief in God's people. I am personally only to people who they say I am to them. Depending on how people answer this from their heart will determine what they receive from me. This is what is so critical if the body is to receive all God has for them as a body. Only those who receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, Acts 3, in the name of, can receive a prophet's reward, Matthew 10 verse 41. One who receives the one who has been given the name prophet and been sent as a prophet by the one God is the one who receives the prophet's reward. A question for us. What is so important about the saying in the name? God is the one who gives the person the name apostle, prophet, teacher, etc. Not man. Ephesians 4.11 Ephesians 3.14-15 For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. It is so important. We know how to receive from the one God sends. To receive the reward that the person, in this case a prophet, brings, we must know God's intent and purpose for the prophet and that what they bring is in his name. What they teach is, in fact, the same teaching as what Jesus brought. The prophet must be the true representation of the Father's name, the Father's teaching and ways, and we must receive this like this. When we receive a prophet or a righteous man in the name of a prophet, we are receiving God. To not receive a prophet or a righteous man who is sent by God is to reject God and in so doing reject the reward that the righteous man or prophet brings from God for the person or the people. This is a catastrophic event for the person and people as they don't come into the life God intends for them Luke 10:16 we must as his people be able to discern the one who says he or she comes in his name and his way and is genuine and legit compared to the one who says we come in his name but his ways are false and counterfeit where does the gift of prophet come from who receives the gift a follower does A born-again follower can be a false prophet. The one who truly comes in his name will also come in his way, which produces his life in and through us. The one who comes in his name but not in his way will mislead many away from Christ's life being formed within and through them and will be left with a counterfeit reality that will appear real but ultimately has no lasting eternal life. Matthew 24, verse 5 and 11 to 12. When I mention this, I am referring to leaders or shepherds of God's people as well as followers, because we are all called to make disciples. We can be the thief, the false teacher that John 10.10 speaks of and never realize this. It may not be intentional, but we can still teach a false reality. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Romans 11:29 So we can use them in His name, but do our will, not His. The false way we teach produces a false life. The deception is that the false life can appear real and creates a sense of life, but it isn't kingdom life. This is what many of the Pharisees and Sadducees were in and taught. Hence people knew when they heard the real life with real power and authority. Mark six verse two, astonished at his teaching they were. Mark one twenty seven and Matthew seven twenty eight. Let's look at a couple of scriptures where we see people using the phrase "in your name" and how this relates and doesn't relate to being in his will or way. Mark sixteen fifteen to eighteen and Matthew seven twenty one to twenty four. Are very interesting passages, as they both relate to people who have performed signs and wonders in his name, but in matthew seven twenty one these people hear away from me, for I never knew you, you of lawlessness. Jesus is very clear here that only those who do the will of his Father will enter the kingdom of god romans eleven twenty nine says the gifts And the calling of God are irrevocable. So it's possible to see this and be part of this and use the name of Christ to accomplish this and not actually be in the way of Christ. We can be in the way of lawlessness, meaning our own way, which is sin. And the consequences of this is that when pressure comes through trials and tribulations, the house falls because it's only those who do the will of the father who had this kingdom life built within them, who enter into the kingdom and have the kingdom built in them. It's these people who have heard and acted on the words of verse 21 to 23 in Matthew seven, who are able to stand firm when the rains floods and the winds slam the house because they are in the true way of God. These people not only see signs and wonders following them, Mark 16 to 17, but because they are in his name, John fourteen six, the way he builds, they also have this indestructible life built on the inside of them. What's scary is that it is fully possible to operate in signs and wonders because of the call and gifting being irrevocable and still not be able to stand when trials and tribulation come, either because of the very word himself or of life itself. Being able to do signs and wonders is not the evidence of knowing God and knowing God is what builds life in a person. So here's the question. What is the difference between the people who both do signs and wonders in his name, John fourteen, twelve, but one group here away from me, for I never knew you. Another question, what does it truly mean to be in his name? John seventeen, eleven to twelve, not just one who uses his name to do your will, thinking it's his will. The answer lies in doing the will of God and not in the will of oneself. We must be remaining kept in His name our entire lives, John 17, 11-12. Otherwise, this is lawlessness, doing something in His name but in your will. This is possible because the gift and the calling are irrevocable as we have said and we haven't been keeping ourselves in His name. This is what the false prophet does, Matthew 7, verses 15. The false prophet comes in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What does the false prophet or teacher, leader, follower lead the sheep away from? An eternal life, Jesus and the way of Jesus. When a person's inner realm is of a ravenous wolf, The person still has the spirit of pride operating within them. They live for themselves a spirit of lust or flesh and define God's ways still through the lens of self or I. We see Jesus addressing this in Matthew 23 when he said, Woe to you, Pharisee. A Pharisee is a person who operates from the flesh. They are arrogant and self-righteous. They serve themselves, and although they can look like they walk in the way of God, their sheep's clothing, they are in fact walking and leading people away from God in a false position or a false way, most of the time not even recognizing this. This way is the way of man or the flesh. This way keeps the people of God from coming into the eternal life within them that God has for us as his followers. It's very clear from this passage that when Jesus talks about fruit, he is not talking about functional fruit. He is not talking about external works for God, i.e. preaching the gospel to the lost, prophecy, healing, casting out demons, serving. Otherwise, these people who perform these deeds in his name wouldn't have heard away from me. We can do all of these works for God, but still live our lives from the false way. That keeps us out of the true fruit of God, the fruit of being rich in spirit, rich in humility, rich in love, joy, peace, gentleness, etc. This is the eternal life, Christ who is eternal life. 1 John one verse two, Christ in us to know Christ is eternal life, and that knowledge is being formed in us. 1 John 3:15 says, "Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The two don't coexist. You can't hate a brother and have Christ's eternal life abiding in you. You can have his life covering you and still hate or murder a brother, but you don't have it abiding in you. Once again, you haven't yet come into the way that builds this eternal life within you. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The church that Jesus builds has both spiritual dimensions operating within them. They have this fruit of the inner realm, and they also are flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given. The fruit of the Spirit is grown. We can operate with a gift that is given in a very immature way or a false way because we lack maturity grown fruit. The first fruit is love. How can a follower be ravenous on the inside if they are mature and have love abiding within them? They can't. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 that we can operate in our gifts which are given and even give our lives to death in His name. But if we don't have love, we are, number one, a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. Number two, we are nothing And number three, we profit nothing. Just because we operate in a gift doesn't mean we are spiritually mature or know or love God. We can do all this and be void of this incredible eternal life. Luke 8.14 The fruit of Jesus' spirit in us, the beatitude life in us, the kingdom of God in us. And because of this, we also run the risk of hearing away from me for I never knew you. The evidence of Jesus knowing us and us knowing Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. He looks to see if he can see himself in us, a mature version of himself. Christ in us, the hope of glory. If this fruit is growing and maturing, then we will walk in the manner in which Jesus walked and honor him. 1 John 2 verse 6 We will love the truth. Question So why is it that very few people are able to live like this even though they perform works for God? Answer, because they don't honor the way. This brings me right back to the start of this topic of honor. Unless we truly honor God and his ways in our hearts, we will never come into this incredible eternal life because we are moving in the completely opposite way to receiving it. We can't expect to do the things our way and get God's outcomes. Acts 198 to 9 And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples. The Bible says many are called for the purposes of God and yet many will hear away from me. How can this be? God's intent for us is that many would come into his abundant life, and yet it says few are chosen. We have all been chosen to experience this full life in Christ, and it's the blood of Christ that creates the way for this indestructible life to be formed within us. Revelation 12 verse 11. Hebrews 7 verse 16. And yet only a few truly choose the way of God that brings this life, the way of the Spirit that we must honor. Romans eight thirteen to fourteen. Isaiah twenty nine thirteen is a very revealing passage, and one that is just as relevant today as it was then. People draw near to God with their words and honor God with their lip service, but remove their hearts from him. If we remove our hearts far from God, then what are the chances of receiving His incredible indestructible life when the heart is the place of life? The issues of the heart and the priorities of the heart either have you entering into life or away from it. We must allow the Father to do heart surgery if we want this incredible life within us. We must honor God and His way. When we remove our hearts from God, we go looking for the words that we want to hear. We go looking for teachers, leaders, prophets, apostles, etc., who will tell us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. Isaiah 39-10 says this, For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, You must not see visions. And to the prophets you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. We do this because we want what we want and we are not prepared to allow His truth to define our lives. We find other followers like ourselves who want our own version of Christ. For there to be true biblical honor, there must be true biblical humility. Not a human humility, but a poor in spirit humility, a broken and contrite spirit, a kingdom of God humility. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Proverbs 22 verse 4, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Matthew 5 verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the true humility that needs to be birthed in a person via the Spirit. If one is able to honor God and those God sends, and the way of God. The opposite to this true humility is a false humility. Many are deceived by this false humility and can only see a nice person. Nice followers are not necessarily humble followers who honor God and His design. I have personally found it's those who appear soft and lovely on the outside who are on the inside like the ravenous wolves. They have a bite and passive aggressiveness which is very ugly and destructive not only to their own life but to those who are in their lives. This inner realm keeps them out of God's eternal life within them. They are predominantly works-based people looking to find purpose, meaning and fulfillment and identity in what they do for God, not who they are in God. We must be a people who fall upon the rock and have the spirit of pride broken and shattered. Otherwise, it will still operate from within us and we too will not know what spirit we are of. Luke 9.55 The way is a person. Jesus didn't come to show us the way. He came to be the way. The truth is a person. The life is a person. If we are in the person Jesus, then his life will be being formed in us. But it is possible to have His spirit in us, but we do not grow or mature. This causes us to stay as we are or adopt another way to grow, which is a false way. The other ways are a path or formulas or methods. It's in keeping Jewish customs or laws. It's in morals or ceremony or tradition that comes from the institutional heart. It's in mental agreements and acknowledgments of principles and facts. Christianity is about an intimate relationship, fellowship, spiritual oneness with the person, Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus is our eternal life. John 1 verse 4, John seventeen three. Question for us. How many of us want the life that Jesus promises us we can have? How many of us want his way then? Many of us say we do until we are confronted with his way to life, the cross that renews our heart and mind. The deception or misleading is in the way to life. The life or false is in the way. It's the counterfeit way. Matthew 24, 4 to 5, Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. I love this statement, do what you know how to do in a way that you don't normally do it. Matthew seventeen twenty-seven is a picture of Peter getting a coin out of the fish's mouth by a line and not a net, which is how they would fish back then. Peter was prepared to do it a new way to the one he knew of and he caught the fish. Jesus' way himself is the only way, and it brings the life he promises, an unshakable, indestructible, overcoming and overflowing more than a conquering life. Man tends to resist this way, Christ, Christ crucified, as we are afraid of the unknown. We cover over his way with our human attempts and our works for him. This gives us a sense of accomplishment, even though it's not producing the true life in us. The issue is a lordship one, not a saviour one. Matthew 24, 4-5 God's way brings God's fruit. Man's way brings man's fruit. So may we all be found honouring God and His way.